All right, what's going on, everyone? It's Friday, March 25th, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. I'm Zachary Crockett, and I'm here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla. Hello. And Mark Dent. Hey, Zach. Hey, Juliet. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little different. Uh, One of the biggest storylines of 2022 so far has been the ongoing tensions between employers and employees. There are wars waging over compensation, unions, work culture, human rights. And we're going to touch on all of these issues through the lens of four companies in different industries, Google, Amazon, Disney, and Applebee's. They're all in the news due to labor issues. We're going to get into that. But first, let's take a quick look at what else is going on today. There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up reps' time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. The inventor of the GIF has died. Stephen Wilhite invented the file format in the 80s while working as an engineer at CompuServe. And since then, GIFs have become a staple of internet culture. In the wake of his death, a lot of people online have been reviving the age-old debate. Is it pronounced GIF or GIF? Well, if it matters to anyone, in a 2013 interview, Wilhite himself said it was GIF. So I'm going to go with that. But feel free to write us a nasty email if you disagree. Apple launched the first driver's license and state ID in its wallet app in Arizona. Arizonans can now simply tap their iPhone or Apple Watch to present their ID at TSA security checkpoints at the Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, and the company has plans to roll this functionality out to more states. Up next, Colorado, Hawaii, Mississippi, and Ohio. And lastly, Uber started out with the goal of dethroning the taxi business, and now the company is joining forces with it. The ride-hailing giant has partnered with two major taxi technology companies in New York City. Starting soon, New Yorkers will be able to choose a yellow taxi in the Uber app for around the same price as a rideshare car. All right, let's move into our main discussion here. So there's been a lot of beef between companies and employees over the last few years. There's the great resignation and workers leaving their jobs. There's a tight labor market that's making it really hard for certain industries to find workers. And in the background, there's been a growing resentment among workers over things like workplace safety, compensation, and mental health. So there are four pieces of news that speak to all of this, and I want to start with Amazon. Mark, Amazon has been in a very long, very public fight with its warehouse workers over unionization efforts. What's the latest news on this front? Right. So Amazon has been kind of having this like union fight for over a year. And over the next week, we're going to find out whether two different Amazon warehouses are going to unionize. Mm. Uh, One of those is in Bessemer, Alabama, and another one is in Staten Island. And basically right now, these warehouses have around 5,000 workers and they will get the chance to vote or have already gotten the chance to vote. And then the results will be tabulated in the coming weeks 
And if 50% of them say that they want to unionize, then we'll have two unions formed Mm. by Amazon warehouses. And and that has not happened before. This Staten Island one is going to vote to join the Amazon Labor Union, which is like the first of its kind. And then Mm. in Alabama, that warehouse is looking at uh, joining the retail, wholesale, and department store union. And Mm. and like I said, there's about 5,000 workers at both of these facilities. So they're very large. Uh, But keep in mind also that Amazon has around 950,000 employees in the U.S. And, and what have we heard about the rationale of workers wanting to unionize at Amazon? So these workers make about $16 an hour entry level in Alabama. They make about $18 or so at the Staten Island facility there in New York. And they also do get health care benefits, but they want better pay. They want increased safety at these places. Mm-hmm. And just generally, they want better treatment. There are horror stories that I'm sure our listeners have have heard over the years, stories that I know, Zach and Juliet, that y'all have read about treatment for Amazon employees. And it really comes down to they feel like there's someone over their shoulder, like at all hours of the day when they're working there and just preventing them from, you know, really taking breaks or even going to the bathroom in a lot of cases. One employee told the New York Times, you know, just recently with regards to this union battle, she said, quote, I went to the bathroom and had two managers hunting me down to see where we were. (laughs) I feel like we're in the twilight zone. And, you know, I talked to a couple of Amazon employees in uh, just in the work that I've done over the years, particularly uh, during the first year of the pandemic. And and it Mm -hmm. really kind of came down to, they they didn't complain that much to me about the pay, but it, it was just about feeling like Amazon just kind of made them feel like children and and didn't really believe them Hmm. in some ways when they're like, I really just need a break or I'm sick for this reason or that. There was always just sort of this kind of feeling that Amazon just didn't care or, or would just disregard their feelings, I guess. So we've also heard a lot of stories of Amazon using pretty dramatic tactics to squelch these union efforts. What are we hearing about their efforts to stop this in New York and Alabama? Yeah, so, so the big thing that's come out, um, especially in the New York Times reporting that we've been reading the last couple of days, is that they're holding mandatory meetings and they last for about 30 minutes. They'll have a few dozen employees at them and Amazon management or paid consultants who make as much as $3,200 per day will tell the employees essentially like why they should not form a union. And mm. the sort of overarching message, or, or at least one that was recorded and then shared on Twitter, was that they were telling the employees that the warehouse would shut down if they formed a union. And Amazon has actually used that message before um, when the Alabama workers first tried to form a union about a year ago, mm-hmm. and they did not. Uh, like I was saying earlier, 50% of workers have to vote yes for a union to be formed, and that did not happen. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. even close. It was something like two to one voted no, but the National Labor Relations Board kind of investigated and saw that Amazon was basically using too much intimidation tactics, and so mm-hmm. they were able to have a vote again, which is obviously happening right now. So Amazon has just been really successful at, at really getting these messages across. And yeah. Delaware, there was a factory there that was going to form one, a very small factory in 2014, and it didn't happen there either. So Amazon has been very good at getting its workers to not form unions. Yeah. So the, so the precedent here is that, you know, we've seen two failed attempts so far at Amazon coming into this week. But this kind of speaks to a larger trend that's happening in America with unions right now. They've been in decline for a while, right? 
they've declined for the better part of 70 years. Uh, mm. Peak union was in the 40s and the 50s. And, and that was when around 35% of all workers were in unions in the US. Now it's about 9%. There's 14 million total workers who are uh, union members. And, and it's just, it's very odd because other statistics kind of show pretty high favorability for unions. Like a, a recent Gallup poll showed that two thirds of Americans view unions favorably. And around 58%, according to Pew, think that it's bad that unions have declined. And and yet we kind of just see this, like last year at Bessemer, Alabama, it was two to one that that Amazon union was shut down. If we are to glean what happened a year ago, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for these two unions that are going to be voting right now. So, Juliet, I want to switch to you here. Obviously, you know, workers in Amazon are fighting for better pay, but these fights are also carrying over into white-collar jobs at desks. Uh, What's going on at Google right now? So Google has an annual survey for its employees, and the most recent one found that they are increasingly less excited about their paychecks. Only 46% of them found their pay competitive, 56% said their pay was fair, and 64% said that their performance was reflected in their pay. Those numbers are not entirely horrible, but they are all down from last year's survey. Hmm. So in a recent all-hands meeting, Google got a ton of questions about pay, and they wanted to know why the senior execs thought the survey numbers were so weak. They did suggest a few things. One, it's a really competitive job market. So there might be employees that are like, oh, I'm going to go work at this other tech company, and or this this startup that's offered me a really great deal. And then they turn around and they tell someone they used to work with what they're making now. So it makes it feel like, oh, if I quit my job, I could just get a better one somewhere else. And also inflation. Inflation is hurting pretty much all of us. I read a recent report that said you have to be making $300,000 a year to not really feel it. And even at Google, <laughs> most people don't make that. What is actually really interesting to me about this is Google actually, it still is one of the highest paying companies around for tech employees. And even they're growing restless and wondering if they could do better elsewhere. And that mirrors what we're seeing in a lot of blue collar and hospitality industries across mm. the United States where people are like, mm. you know, I, I feel like you used to be like, I got to stay in my job, you know, um, I've got this stability and I can't lose it. But now all across the board, people are like, well, maybe it would be better if I just went somewhere else. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we, we've heard a lot that this is we're in a workers market right now and companies are really handling this differently. I know, you know, last week we talked about how Facebook was cutting certain perks like laundry services and the time that dinner will be served, the facilities. Amazon in back in February doubled its maximum base salary for its corporate workers, um, citing a competitive labor market. And Apple is giving away more restricted stocks. So it seems like some of these big tech companies are cutting benefits and others are really leaning into them and offering them more to compete. Yeah, I used to work at one of these companies that is cutting laundry service. And I will say that uh, I was just a contractor there and that service was not available to contractors. I guess I wouldn't know how many people were even using it. But I remember like noticing that there were a ton of perks that seemed almost unnecessary, but I actually like couldn't use any of them. So Mm. maybe they were superfluous. This is a very different fight than the one that Amazon warehouse workers are fighting. These are very well-to-do workers. They're getting compensated very well for the most part, right? The average salary at Google is well into the six figures. But is the unrest at Google just over this sense that they can do better elsewhere at another competing tech firm? One thing that I wonder about this is, let's say you're making a six-figure job, but you're living in Silicon Valley. Can you buy a house? Mm -hmm. Probably like, <laughs> I don't know, probably not. I mean, 
down here in Los Angeles, houses are selling for $1.2 million in their little two bedrooms, and you have to fight tooth and nail with other people to, to get one. Mm-hmm. And then remember when Google was like, oh, if you move to another place that has a lower cost of living, that's cool, but we're going to reduce your pay. Right. Like, I'm wondering if people are like, there's really nothing I can do because if I move to this place, I'm going to get paid less. But if I stay here, I still can't afford things because of inflation. So maybe like they're feeling like the only option they have is to try to get the most money possible. I, I don't know. I mean, that seems pretty sad, uh, honestly, yeah. but that could have something to do with it. But even at Apple, you know, they've also had to bump up their wages for retail employees at, at the store. So it seems like it's just kind of an across the board thing, no matter if you're working in an Apple store and maybe that's one of your first jobs or you're a mm-hmm. senior developer that is well into the six figures. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts. Well, shifting gears into our third labor story here, there's some drama brewing at Applebee's. I know this isn't the first company that comes to mind when you think about labor disputes, but the drama started earlier this month with a leaked email And in this email, an executive at one of Applebee's largest franchises, this guy named Wayne Pankratz, told his hiring managers that rising gas prices presented an opportunity to, quote, lower our average wages, end quote. So Pankratz basically said, look, we're in a crisis right now. Workers are getting desperate with inflation and gas prices and the cost of living. And we can use that desperation as an opportunity to get people to work for us for lower wages, So I actually reached out to Applebee's and they gave me, you know, the old corporate spiel. This is an individual that doesn't represent the company's opinion, blah, blah, blah. But the interesting thing here is that Applebee's is a franchise business. That means that their restaurants are owned by individuals, not the company. And that really incubates them from a lot of the direct blame when things like this happen. But at the same time, it also kind of opens a a Pandora box for these kind of issues. When you franchise, you're putting your company's reputation in the hands of third parties And uh, that can lead to outrageous things like this happening. But I think, as you know, Juliet, this also speaks to some really chronic, toxic ideologies that I think are specific to restaurant work. Mm -hmm. In his email, Pankratz almost braggadociously called out the fact that most Applebee's employees live paycheck to paycheck. And in his eyes, that wasn't a problem. It just made the workers more expendable. And it gave him an opportunity to capitalize on their hardship and use it as a tool to make people into more dependable employees. Hmm. But everyone on the internet hates Wayne now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not not a great look for Applebee's. Not a great look for Applebee's. (laughs) Yeah, this made a big splash on Reddit and uh, especially in the anti-work subreddit. People are having a field day with this and I think Applebee's is getting a lot of emails right now. But, you know, a lot of executives are falling prey to this line of thinking right now and Pankratz said it out loud. But I do have to think that there is some resentment among corporate America towards workers. 
they think workers are being maybe too demanding for asking for basic things. And as some seem to see the situation, they've been shelling out additional resources for the last year and a half, and now it's their time. You know, Now the market's going to shift back in their favor, and now they have the control to dictate the terms again. So we'll see what happens there. But the last story here that I want to touch on is slightly different. It's not a compensation issue. It's more of an issue around human rights, and it has to do with Disney. You want to fill us in on that one, Juliet? Yeah. So there is an extremely controversial bill in Florida. People who like it call it the Parental Rights and Education Bill. But it's more commonly known, I think, uh, at least if you're on the Internet lately, as the Don't Say Gay Bill. So what critics are upset about is that it broadly prohibits instruction or classroom discussion of gender identity or sexual orientation for students up to the third grade or whatever is deemed age appropriate. And that is all extremely vague. As The New York Times points out, does that mean not talking about real or fictional queer people? Can kids read or discuss a book that has a gay or trans character in it? And what if you're talking about families at school? Like, can the kid with two dads or two moms just not talk about their parents? Like, nobody really seems to know. Mm. The other issue is schools would have to notify parents if a child received mental, emotional, or physical health services unless a counselor thought abuse might be a risk. So critics are saying that could potentially out a student to their parents before they were ready to come out or a student that needs guidance from a trusted adult might not seek counseling in the first place. Right. So where does Disney come in here? So Disney World, obviously located in Florida, and Disney is one of the state's largest employers. It's got around 80,000 people who work just among its parks in the state. And Disney's queer employees and allies, they wanted Disney to push back against this legislation. Hmm. And there was the human rights campaign had a letter out in opposition. Over 150 companies signed it. There are a lot of heavy hitters, Apple, Google, Meta, Twitter, Airbnb, Amazon, Marriott, but Disney did not sign it. So a lot of employees, they wanted Disney to speak out about it because of the weight that Disney carries in the state. CEO Bob Shapek, he was really slow to respond. And when he did, it was kind of like, well, we can create change through our inspiring content. And employees (laughs) were just like, yeah, that's not enough. So they staged a big walkout earlier this week. And there's been a lot of back and forth between the company and the employees. Mm. At one point, you know, they were kind of like, well, we've given a lot of money to, um, you know, pride and queer causes. But they had also given political donations to some of the people who were responsible for this bill. Obviously, it wasn't like, hey, go pass this bill, but they had given them donations in the past. So Disney has paused political donations in Florida for the time being. There's a lot of talk about listening and advocacy, but employees, they have a list of demands. They want actionable plans for advocacy. They want Disney to commit to protecting Florida employees, Mm. and they want immediately uh, the shutdown of investments in Florida. And you can find these demands on a website that they've created called whereisshapec.com. Yeah, you know, a lot of these rifts between companies and employees have obviously centered around compensation conversations, but it's interesting to see here that, you know, there's also obviously a parallel fight for just a more equitable workplace in general. Mm-hmm. This kind of ties into, I think, last week we were talking with Nicole about whether she, you know, you can bring your whole self to work. And she was talking mm-hmm. about how as a black woman, she would occasionally face microaggressions and how people of color often face microaggressions, like whether their hair is deemed appropriate for work or whatever. And I sure. think what we're seeing now is a lot of employees, they want to work at a place that is inclusive and, you know, considers them as a whole person. So it's kind of like, I want to work at a place that would not let legislation that others me pass. I want to work at a place that gives me benefits for myself and my partner. Even we've seen people who, when they're looking at the benefits a company provides, they want benefits for egg freezing or, you know, a really long maternity leave. So I think we're seeing a lot of people, it's not just about the money, it's also about 
inclusion. So stepping back a little bit and and looking back retrospectively across these four stories, what might this say about the labor market at large? See, I I think that we're seeing a somewhat of an expansion of power uh, among workers, but we're also seeing the limits to which they can go, as well as the amount of power that some of these big companies hold. Mm. Take Applebee's out of the equation a little bit because they're <laughs> not quite as big as Google or sure. Amazon. But, you know, otherwise we're talking about Disney, massive. Um, we're talking about Amazon. We're talking about Google. And we've seen since around, I'd, I'd say about four or five years ago, I think it was in, in 2018 is when there was like the first great kind of Google walkout. And, and that was over the way that they had handled sexual harassment uh, allegations. And there's just been a lot more activism uh, among employees since then at all kinds of companies. Spotify, you know, which I wrote about a month ago, there was something that boiled over Joe Rogan last month. But there was also some controversy over Joe Rogan amongst employees in the summer of 2021 and in the fall of 2020. And, you know, Rogan has continued to be on the platform. I think what we're just seeing is is somewhat of a cycle of employees are speaking out and they're getting upset and they're demonstrating in certain ways. And I think they're able to get certain concessions, but they're not able to really get everything that they want. You hmm. still have Disney is, I would assume, maybe they're going to stop some of their political donations for a little while, but I'm sure they're going to pump them right back up and, and kind of do what they've always done. Hmm. So I think we see these big corporations they still in some ways have the upper hand. You know, people do want to have jobs and uh, they, they want to get paid as well as they can. And I, I just think that there's a limit to what people can do. And Amazon is in somewhat of an outlier because of a unionization is an effort that's much different than just like a walkout or something like that. And they've brushed unions off already so far mm-hmm. and they could very easily do it again. Hmm. Yeah, you know, when we say workers market, I guess that comes with some asterisks. <laughs> yeah, workers have a lot of power right now in the court of opinion which is a changing tide. You know, the the prevalent thought is no longer keep your head down, do your work, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We're moving away from that into like, yes, you should be able to not burn out at work and take a vacation sometimes. But the court of public opinion doesn't necessarily pay the bills. So Hmm. it's not perfect. Sure. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at thehustle.co. So go check it out, and we'll catch you all next week.